Good morning, River Life family. Let's try that again. <laughs> Good morning, River Life family. A couple years ago, I took on a part-time job teaching and mentoring students. I did not do a good job of keeping up with my responsibilities. And at one point, I flat out did not do a project that I said I would. Now, the guilt of all of that hung over my head all the time, and it made me feel anxious whenever I thought about that job. Well, if I was feeling anxious, then I would just avoid that work that I had to do even more, which of course ended up making the problem even worse. Now last Sunday, when we were all doing the spiritual exercise of listening and hearing from the Holy Spirit and inviting him to search our hearts to see if there's any offensive ways, he shined the light on this dark corner of my heart and he did what he does in our lives. He convicted me to confess my sins to my boss and to ask for forgiveness. Now, my boss lives a couple states away, so I couldn't meet with him face to face. So I figured I'll have to email him. But I didn't get to it because that night I had to pack and get ready for a conference, which was the very next day. Guess who I saw when I walked into the conference venue? You guessed it, my boss was there. You know, God has a sense of humor. He wanted to make sure that I could make that confession in person. Today we're on our second week of our soul care series. Now remember that soul care is dealing with the issues of your heart and mind and receiving healing, victory, and freedom through Jesus. When God's light shines into our souls, especially into those dark areas, we usually react with defensiveness, blame, rationalization, or we spiral into shame and hiding. But God reveals in order to heal. He wants to cleanse us and free us. But first, we must confess our sins and repent. That is our part. Now, sin is not a popular subject outside the church or even inside the church. Sin is often associated with a list of do's and don'ts, with judgment and punishment, and with guilt and shame. And sin means that there are sinners, a label which many people object to and deny the existence of. The concept of sin and the word sin itself are pervasive in the Bible. We first see the word in Genesis 4, verse 7, when God is talking to Cain. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. In Ecclesiastes 7.20, the prevalence of sin in human beings is proclaimed. Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. Why this emphasis on sin? Because the central theme of the Bible is God's salvation of human beings from their sins 
and the consequences of sin. Paul explains it this way in Romans 5, verse 6 through 8. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Confession is agreeing with God. In Psalm 32 that we heard earlier, David comes clean and agrees with God that what God says is wrong, is wrong. David acknowledged his sin to God, and sin in the Hebrew word has the idea of missing the mark or missing the target. David did not cover up his iniquity, which has the idea of perverting justice, and he confessed his transgressions to the Lord, which has the idea of crossing a line or breaking a law. Now, in confessing these things, David also agrees with God about what God will do with the sins. In Psalm 32, David says that God forgives transgressions, that God covers sins, and that God does not count sin against him anymore. These are amazing things that God does when we confess. But unconfessed sin has destructive effects on our soul and our relationships. David said that when he did not confess to God, he moaned and groaned all day long, which meant that he probably thought about it all the time and, and just probably shook his head like I did when I did not confess my sin. He said that his bones wasted away it was as though the guilt was eating him up deep inside. He said that he could feel God's hand on him, like, like there was a heavy presence of guilt and judgment. And he said that he lost all his strength. It seemed like he had no joy or energy to live. David paints the picture of someone who is anxious, tortured, weak, and miserable when he was silent about his sins, when he tried to hide them. But David says that when a person has confessed their sins, the opposite of all of that is true. In fact, tremendous blessings flow from being forgiven by God. The Apostle John writes in 1 John 1, verse 7 through 10, he says, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we, not, we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. 
Rob Reamer explains it this way. We cannot overcome that which we will not admit. The victory begins with confession. Own your part. You are the only one responsible for you. Confession, which is agreeing with God about sin, is the start of the journey to real life change and victory. But it must also be accompanied by repentance, which is the turning away from sin and turning to God. Because repentance is aligning with God. Reamer writes that repentance is more than just a change of behavior. He says, biblical repentance is about changing your mind and purpose. It is about changing the way you think. It is about bringing yourself into alignment with God. And there is no entrance into the kingdom without repentance. And there's no advancement in the kingdom without repentance. In 2 Corinthians 7, Paul is writing to the believers in Corinth and he had just sent a previous letter where he rebuked them. And now he's responding to that letter. He says, your sorrow led you to repentance for you became sorrowful as God intended and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Paul says that there is a difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow looks like this. When you get caught in a sin, you feel forced to admit it. And you uh, are usually defensive and you minimize that sin. Pride is the enemy of true confession and pride gets in the way. You may regret getting caught and regret that you, you now have to try to stop that sin behavior, but you are not ready to own your sins let alone turn away from them. That is worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow, Paul says, is where there is a broken and contrite heart that leads to repentance. Now we see this in Psalm 51, verse 16 through 17, where the psalmist says, you, God, do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, God, you will not despise. A broken and contrite heart is soft, humble, and teachable before God. It is both sorrowful over the sin that's been committed and joyful over God's forgiveness that is extended. You must repent and receive the forgiveness of God in order to be free. You see, it isn't enough to know you are forgiven. You must receive it and experience the release and blessedness that David described in Psalm 32. Now, when, we've, when you've already confessed your sin to God, and yet you still feel worthless and you feel 
undeserving of God's uh, forgiveness and you feel like God should re be rejecting you instead, you are most likely dealing with shame. And shame puts you right back in the position of fear, hiding, and misery. Confessing your sins to others can break the power of shame. Because oftentimes when we confess to God, it is just between you and God and nobody else knows about it. But James 5.16 tells us this. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Recently, I met with a young lady who was racked with guilt over a sexual sin. In our time of prayer and deliverance, the Holy Spirit brought to her memory several sexual sins from her childhood and youth. She was surprised by the revelation, and she said to me, I never thought I would ever name those sins out loud to anyone. This is the first time I've ever told anyone about them. She was able to confess the sins to God and to receive his forgiveness. And saying them out loud to me broke her code of secrecy and the power of shame. It also made it easier for her to confess other sins. Rod Reamer writes, a soul in alignment is a soul without secrets. We cannot walk free if we will not repent from sin and bring it into the light with God and others. Now, this doesn't mean that we tell anyone and everyone our sins, but we need to resolve to live with no secrets, which means telling at least one other person all our struggles and our sins. So how can we apply the soul care principle of repentance? Here are some spiritual action steps that I would invite you to do. First, ask God to give you a broken and contrite heart where you are sorrowful over the sin that you have committed. Then stand in the light with God. Allow the Holy Spirit to reveal those sins to you, to convict you of those sins, and then confess those sins. And I would encourage you to have regular times <clears throat> of confession. Daily is best, I would say. But even better would be as soon as you are convicted, as soon as you do that sin, that you confess it right away. And confess it specifically. Name that sin. And when you've confessed, then receive the forgiveness from God through Jesus Christ. So a confession is similar to what the um, spiritual exercise that we did earlier. And you just name the sin and you receive the forgiveness. And you say, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness that you won for me by dying on the cross. And then you stand in the light with others. This means confessing sins to one another. And it means you need to do a total life confession with at least one person 
so that you don't have any secrets. Now these might sound hard, but we're going to do a spiritual exercise today. Actually two of them, because the first one is listening and hearing the Holy Spirit like we did last week. So wherever you are, just go ahead and sit where you are and close your eyes because I'm going to ask you to communicate with God, to talk to Him. Begin by asking God for a broken and contrite heart. Just ask Him, Lord, give me a broken and contrite heart. Let my spirit be open to you, teachable in front of you, and humble. As you do that, I want you to reflect on these questions, and I'm going to give you the next several minutes to spend with the Holy Spirit reflecting on these questions. Let Him show you. Is there any unconfessed sin in my life? Just ask Him that. Holy Spirit, is there any unconfessed sin in my life? the Holy Spirit. Are there areas of my life where I have confessed, but I still don't feel forgiven? Have I confessed those sins to others as well? So just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal those things. Now much of soul care is taking time to be alone with God because most life change occurs alone with Him. And as you develop the spiritual muscle of listening and hearing, 
I encourage you to journal, write down what you are hearing from the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to move into our second spiritual exercise. And this one is sharing in your triad reflection groups. And this is where if you are willing, comfortable, and able to, you can learn to confess to someone else what God is showing you and convicting you. If you feel like you're not ready to, that's okay. I still want to encourage you that you find someone that you trust and that you confess to them what God has shown you. But if you are willing, go ahead and get into your groups of three and take turns confessing to one another any sins that the Holy Spirit has brought to light. As you share, or as you listen to the person who's sharing, be led by the Holy Spirit in the way that you um, sit with them, that you minister to them. Remember to maintain confidentiality. So I'm going to give you the next eight to 10 minutes to do that, because this is important. <laughs> 